It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to Podcast Like It's 1992, the podcast where we talk about the films of 1992 from inside a little genie's bottle here in 2023. I'm your host, Phil Iscove. I am your special guest host, Emily St. James, filling in for your normal host, a carpet who can only communicate in pantomime, which makes it a weird fit to host a podcast. It's true. It's true. But perhaps most importantly, with us today for our very first episode of 1992 is Esty Heim, singer, songwriter, composer, actress. Is there anything she can't do? I could uh, list a couple things. <laughs> but I, I can't thank you enough for coming on to talk with us, Esty, about Aladdin. Uh, when I asked you to come on the podcast, you singled out two films. <laughs> You yes. singled out yes. Aladdin and Newsies. Uh, we hope to yes. talk with you about Newsies at a later date. But my question to you is, was this a big movie for you as a kid? Aladdin was huge for me as a kid. Okay. I think um, I, I just, I had a really big crush on, um, oh my God. The genie? Yes, yes. On the genie. I had a big crush on Robin Williams. Thank you. Jesus Christ, Phil. It's okay. No worries. I'm just getting I'm getting my sea legs. It's early. (laughs) Um I loved Robin Williams. I thought he was the funniest. I mean, I was a huge Mork and Mindy girl. I would watch Mork and Mindy on Nick at Night. I would like sneak out of my bedroom. My parents put me to sleep and I'd put on Nick at Night. And watch Mork and Mindy. So I loved Robin Williams. Like, very much loved Robin Williams. And there was definitely, like, a one-two punch of, like, Aladdin and 
and then Mrs. Doubtfire. I think mm-hmm. they came out like right yeah. around the same. I mean, it was the right next year. Yeah, it was the next year. Yeah. yeah. So like the like I was the CFO, COO, CEO of the Robin Williams fan club at that point. As like a God, at that point I was like a six year old kid. Well, I feel seven like, years old. Yeah, I mean, I, I was uh being the oldest on this uh on this podcast, I was twelve. Um, but I but <laughs> but I do feel like and it is interesting because Rob Williams does have a family friendly lane. Because he's so yes. like quote unquote wacky, and I think the kids probably, I'm assuming, loved how sort of they didn't get. I imagine half the references he was making, but no. it felt funny, and you just felt like you were in on the joke as a kid, which is part of the charm of this film, I think. Emily and I were texting a little bit about this, and like it shouldn't work, but he's unbelievable in this film. I can't believe you didn't get a William F. Buckley reference when you were twelve. Like that feels like a thing you should I have still known. Don't think I got the William F. Buckley <laughs> reference. I didn't get, I definitely, definitely did not get the William F. Buckley. I did not get that memo, guys. I will yeah, be honest and it. say, I didn't realize it was a William F. Buckley mem- uh, reference. I looked it up and was like, oh, that's what that's supposed to be. And was like, okay, all right. Yeah, it feels like, I mean, there's a lot of references in this that at the time, I mean, you have a, you have a uh, Arsenio Hall reference, which feels very sort of time stamped. Um, yes. But that like, I got as a kid. To, totally. So did I. It, yeah. it was definitely so. I remember seeing this in the theater because, again, I'm older than everybody here. But uh, I remember seeing it at twelve and feeling like I was getting most of it. But even then, I wasn't getting everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it's it's he's just going a mile a minute in this movie. I know, I know. I would actually be really interested to hear from the filmmakers. Like, did they just let Robin Williams improv? In fact, they let him improvise so much that the film couldn't be nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. Is that true? Because there was so much improvisation in it. Which I think is hilarious. That's, wow. I didn't know that was like a rule. Well, I'm assuming, yeah. Well, because like he didn't, they deviated (laughs) so much from the source material, quote unquote, that I guess, but I would also argue there have been nominations, for instance, like the Coen brothers getting nominated for Adapted for Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And you're like, there was really- definitely improv in that <laughs> yeah. movie. So Why, it's, it's, yeah. Did Borat get nominated for Adapted? Yes. Because like that, that is all improv. Like, Yeah, I don't know. But I will say that to answer your question, SD, I think most of this was recorded apparently in the sort of, uh, downtime while he was re- doing Hook and Toys, which are the two films oh. that book end this movie. Um, so I kind of feel like they must have just propped up a microphone and said, like, go. Go. Yeah. And then they animated around his shit. What That's a fun sense. way to make a movie. What a fun way to make an animated movie. But it probably <laughs> set them back a couple, like, months, I'm sure, like, That's to try to yeah. get, like, if there's one thing animators love, it's chaos. That's just yeah, like I a know. thing that I know. You know, animation's uh, yeah. a really uh, short process to begin with. Uh, I'm totally. sure that all of these, uh, <laughs> all of these totally. wrenches Anim- she's throwing it. Yeah, totally normal. The animators loved it. Yeah, loved every second of it. Uh, every I'm second sure. of it. It should be said too that this film sort of has a notorious kind of I don't know if controversy is the right word, but Robert Williams did this movie for scale. Um, he did it as kind of a favor and said he would do it for scale, but only if 
they didn't use him in the marketing or sold any toys around the genie to which Disney immediately <laughs> did both of those things. Right. And he was super pissed and pissed. didn't do a movie with Disney for a very long time. Um, they tried, apparently, I think it was, um, oh my God, who was, was Eisner, I believe at the moment at the time. And he gave him a Picasso painting to try to like make it up to him. And Rob Williams was like, I didn't yeah, work. Didn't work. It, but ultimately they, they mended bridges. But I, I do think it is interesting um, how sort of, reticent he was to do this film but he also does fern gully in 92 as well so it's like he's not like against doing animated movies i mean also as like as a an actor performer being able to just go into a studio in your pjs right exactly and be able to just like sit on a chair and read and like read lines like what a clutch job well, the, the key gig, if you ask me, or one of the gigs that feels incredible was uh, Kristen Bell doing Gossip Girl. So she, ju- oh she literally God. just does Absolutely. two little VOs at the top from her bed, gets paid probably like a couple, you know, probably twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 an episode Great. to just literally do nothing. Yeah. Congrats, Kristen Bell. You just paid for your kid's private school. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, exactly. like, yeah. Yeah, it's a so sweet gig. I, I think, I mean, at that point, it was mm-hmm. probably just that Robin Williams was working so much. He was doing Toys and Hook and Mrs. Doubtfire and Aladdin. He was He's probably just it. like, yeah. listen, like, I'll do this as a, like, as a favor, but like, I'm not doing any of the promo because I'm too and, fucking busy. And I'm not going to read your script. <laughs> right. And I'm going to make it my own. And honestly, thank God he did. I because I don't think any writer could actually do a better job than Robin Williams as an improver. Totally. Do agree. you think they had like lines where they were like, no, Robin, we need you to actually say this line as written. Like, I, cause I there mean, are like, like the, the living space thing is like, yes. you know, it yeah. gets repeated by Aladdin played by Steve from full house, which was a big thing for me at the time. Oh, I know that. I um, know that. And uh, like he gets, he repeats it. So like, I assume that was in the script or they just recorded Robin Williams and we're like, we can use this and this and this. I think, like, I think that my guess maybe. is the latter. I mean, my, my feeling is that I imagine that there were certain things that he had to say, like the rules the genie has, or like things that just yes. like bearing walls of like you know rules that are necessary. Uh, but I imagine there's like less than ten lines that he had to say, and the rest I is just him off doing. What he off, wants. yeah, off book. Yeah, and I think this. I mean, and that's. I think he was just like, "I'll do the song. I can't. I'm not going to rewrite the song." <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, "I'll do a friend like me uh, and presently," yeah. but that's basically it. So yeah, I, that's I, it. Obviously, uh, Esty, as a musician, have to ask you about the songs for a second here. Now, uh, this is. Go. I do feel like when I hit play on this yesterday um, mm-hmm. on Disney Plus. Uh, and it looks phenomenal. The 4K remaster, they did a beautiful job. It really does look like better than it's ever looked. Um, the the songs are bangers. Like really yes. all of them are Truly. There's no bad Truly. songs in this movie. And yet I would argue that this this movie doesn't necessarily feel like the songs get enough credit. Like when you so? think of, I'm not, I'm not saying that, I mean, a whole new world is obviously iconic, right? But yes. I'm not convinced that the other songs 
if you compare it to a Beauty and the Beast, a Little Mermaid, a Lion King, which are all sort of in that run, yes. I don't know that it that it has the same love that the songs have the same love. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm just curious what you think about that. Well, I'm probably, I mean, I am on this podcast waxing philosophical about my love for this movie, so I'm completely biased. Sure, 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 sure. Do you have a favorite song? Well, I mean, okay, just to give you an idea, Hmm. Mm -hmm. in my MySpace bio, (laughs) was, like, when it goes to, like, when it asks for, like, occupation, Mm -hmm. it was riffraff, street rat, scoundrel, etc., that's incredible. That should be your Twitter bio, by the way. I know, I know, but I also don't know if people, I mean, necessarily would get the reference now. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But yeah, when I was in high school on MySpace, I was obsessed with that song. Such a good and song. I just thought it, it's such a good song. Um, so I, yeah, I love the song from Aladdin. I love that song. I, I mean, I used to I used to say that I could have probably done Aladdin as a one woman show. <laughs> by the way, I, people would pay to see that. By the way, I, I was, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was watching it with my wife, and she was like reciting all of the dialogue along with it, and it's just like I feel yeah. like for people of a certain age, like this is just like ingrained in your brain. Yeah, and it's so rewatchable. This is like, yeah. yeah. There's a I special do. copy in my brain that has just dialogue from Aladdin, just like it's, it's emblazoned crazy. in my mind. It really does feel like it's it's in our DNA. I want to I want to give just a brief uh, little bit of context for perhaps anyone who has not seen Aladdin. And if you haven't, what are you doing? Go watch. Aladdin. Shame on you. Seriously. Uh, Aladdin is a lovable street urchin who meets Princess Jasmine, a beautiful daughter of the Sultan of Agrabah. While visiting her exotic palace, Aladdin stumbles upon a magic oil lamp that unleashes a powerful, wise, cracking, larger than life genie. As Aladdin and the genie start to become friends, they soon embark on a dangerous mission to stop the evil sorcerer Jafar from overthrowing young Jasmine's kingdom. Aladdin opened on November eleventh, nineteen ninety-two, against Bram Stoker's Dracula, Passenger Fifty-Seven, A River Runs Through It, Under Siege, and The Mighty Ducks. It will go on to make five hundred and four million dollars on a twenty-eight million dollar budget, the most successful film of ninety-two. Uh, Aladdin has ninety-five percent on Rotten Tomatoes from critics, ninety-two percent from audiences. Roger Ebert gave the film three stars, saying Robin Williams and the animation were born for one another, and in Aladdin they finally meet. Williams' speed of comic invention has always been too fast for flesh and blood. The way he flashes in and out of characters can be dizzying. In Disney's new animated film Aladdin, he's liberated at last, playing a genie who has complete freedom over his form, who can instantly be anybody or anything. The genie is the best thing in the movie, which is good fun, but not on par with The Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast, the two films which Disney essentially rebirth the feature-length animation. Uh, for our listeners, Esty shaking her head ferociously uh so essie is this your favorite disney film no it's not my favorite disney okay. film what is your favorite it's not disney my favorite film? i'm just so curious that's like sophie's choice okay <laughs> Fair enough. yeah i can't i don't think i'd be able to actually well but this I mean, run is pretty this these yes. four films which is essentially i would argue this is the run right like this is, it is. I, there are people that'll that'll you know throw in a pocahontas i guess but like i don't know i this feels like the four films Pocahontas was a big one for me too. Okay, but the, okay. So if we're get, the Little Mermaid, okay. Her yeah. name's Ariel, right? It is. It is Ariel. Yeah. My middle name is Ariel. Because of when, Ariel? Nope. Okay. Nope. <laughs> nope. I was I was born in '86. Little Mermaid came out in '89. Correct. So I was 
three or four when I saw it in the theaters and my parents took me to see it. And my mom, I remember this like it was this morning. She literally, I'm watching Little Mermaid and I'm so transfixed on this mermaid. And I think my mom saw my face and was like, Esty, just so you know, her name is the same as your middle name, (laughs) Aria. And I... I took that like the main character energy that I that I exhibited as a three year old. Mm-hmm. I then went to preschool the next morning and told my two friends Romeo Farrell and Jessica Bernstein, "I have the same middle name as Ariel <laughs> Little Mermaid." So you to bragged which, about this? Oh, bragged about it. To which my friends went, "Okay." <laughs> left me like left me turned around. I'm three, by the way. I'm three, three years old sure. at preschool. They come back to me. This is like in the span of like 20 minutes. Jessica and Romy come up to me and go, well, just so you know, my middle name is Snow White and Jessica's middle name is Cinderella. So you're not that special. Damn. Those are some As good bits. Those are some good bits. Three-year-olds. Three. Yeah. Three. yeah. It's, it's, yeah. I mean, kids are brutal, uh, and it's of course, brutal. they wanted to make you feel terrible about it. Yeah, well, they were I just mean, jealous. They, obviously, they were so, just jealous. Did so, you, yes, Little did Mermaid? You feel I like loved. And Ariel gave you kind of. Were you a little bit like, "This is my new personality"? Yes, because I'm named after. Abs- her? I mean, yes, yeah, absolutely. Sure, sure. Sure. I was like, I am the Little Mermaid. Bill, and, 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 okay. named after Esty. Let's just be clear. Yes, no, my That's the yes, cause yes. and effect. Ariel was yeah. named after Esty. It's true. Yeah, yeah. It's true. Truly, truly. Did you have a crush on Aladdin out of curiosity? Or oh, was the genie oh your crush? I mean, I, no. I, I, Aladdin I is my type. <laughs> if you've looked at my string of boyfriends, and Phil knows this. I do know this. I guess he sort of does look like Aladdin a little bit. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I like them like tall dark handsome yeah that's pretty and like you know and that was aladdin i mean i don't actually know how tall aladdin is i like to think he's like six five very tall he's very very tall tall. he seems very lithe i'll I'll say this yeah i I, in doing the research on this a little bit this movie was kind of dinged by various organizations because aladdin and jasmine have very sort of you know they look like disney prince and princesses right whereas the rest of the characters have a very sort of arabian quality to them that perhaps is not as complimentary i i think that there's something interesting to the fact that katzenberg told them to make aladdin look like tom cruise which he kind of looks a little bit like tom cruise i mean this i actually think they sort of missed the mark on that one (laughs) they might have missed like short Tom Cruise famously short well, in the six five as established. It's so, true. Yeah. It's true. Also, like, I think he's got a little bit of a squareness to him. I don't know. Tom Cruise might not be the the best, you know. But it, it is interesting that, and this isn't surprising necessarily. Disney did for a very long time have a look right, like they did yes. want their princes and princesses to look a certain way. So I can understand some people taking umbrage with that. Um. I do think that Aladdin's a good-looking kid. Yes. He's he's basically shirtless through the whole movie. He's Say wearing less, his little vest. Phil. Just his Say little less, vest. Phil. Say less. Honestly. 
I just read in the sense. Probably my sexual awakening, honestly, was was a lot. That's interesting because on a previous episode, we had a sexual awakening for Tarzan which, oh, in '99. Yeah. It was yes. It was not me. It was our guest. Tarzan's um, but, hot. Yeah. No. Tarzan is hot. And Tarzan, Tarzan is just you know a categorically hot. Categorically hot. It feels hot. like also intentionally hot, right? Like going for hot. Yeah. Yes, right? but I was go. I would go as far to say that, yes. While like, <laughs> if we're really looking objectively at Jasmine and Aladdin, like if I'm really being honest, yes. Jasmine is ten times hotter than Aladdin. Oh, Jasmine's I, yes, yes. I was gonna say as a as a budding baby bisexual at the time, this movie mm-hmm. was formative for me because Aladdin and Jasmine both very hot, and then Jafar yes. has just enormous chaos queer energy. He just like yes, he does. Feels like he's gonna come in and blow everything. It's it's like yeah, I I really like just glommed onto all of them as my yes. you know yeah. <clears throat> I would also, I also go as far yeah, to say that I also had a crush on Jafar, and that's also so telling about my type now and phil you know what i mean i do i do i, I mean I, it should be said that the fact that usd had a crush on all four leads one of which is a blue cheaty with no legs yes <laughs> a, a ghost yes. Or, or an apparition however you want to call it um i think that's i think that's kind of amazing i think that speaks volumes about usd I, and i honestly i would go as far as to say that i also had a crush on iago because i <laughs> because i love noah poo um, <laughs> What's his what's what's his name? Gilbert uh, Gottfried. Gilbert Gottfried. Yes. May he rest in peace. Yes. He's he's phenomenal I, in this movie. Jafar. Like, <laughs> like I think yeah. that that energy is also something that I I mean I I'm probably gonna have to unpack this in therapy actually late, like later today. I think that I'm going I to a lot of this... realizations. It is interesting because, uh, Emily, you texted me about the narrative of Aladdin. Yeah. And how mm-hmm. it, it really is. Un- and again, this is very Disney, but Problematic? like. No, no, no. I was, I was going to say just like very easy to understand, a very straight oh. line for the most part. Um, but it does have this agent of chaos at the center of it in Robin Williams, who's clearly deviating from, from what's actually like the path. But do you yes. want to expound on that, Emily? Uh, first of all, I just want to be clear that uh, Robin Williams was playing someone who can shapeshift into anything that baby boomers will find funny. And that's who you want to be in a relationship with, honestly. Yes. Um, but uh, the I think the thing about Robin Williams is like he's brilliant in this movie and like the genie is a wonderful creation. And like, I, I you know, the, the groundswell to get him an Oscar nomination was, I think, a just one. But he kind of destroyed Western civilization just a little bit because like that whole thing where he comes in and makes a pop culture reference to like undercut the drama of a moment is like all storytelling now. And to me, that's like kind of the first time that happens. And when you have Robin Williams doing it, you can get away with it because he's like, you know, an incredibly clever genius mind but now it's just like your people are trying to script it and it feels really uh lame and like not very uh organic in a way that he could make it feel 
<clears throat> it's also the the beginning of of stunt voice casting. Mm-hmm. So you know, obviously, you don't have to look any farther than more mostly DreamWorks, but but I do feel like others sort of ran with Baltimore. I remember when Little Mermaid came out, Disney Channel ran like a big promotional thing that was like, and we got Buddy Hackett, and I was like, okay, good for okay. you. And then, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it's interesting. <laughs> Kudos. Like, it becomes very much the mold of I mean of of animated movies of getting big stars i'm not convinced necessarily and I'm, i don't really think if you look at the box office that actually matters in the greater scheme of things i think kids movies are kids movies and i think that parents are going to take their kids to see animated movies whoever is the voice talent i don't necessarily think it ultimately matters in the greater scheme well, of things. i would add a caveat though i sure. think that when there is a musical and there is a singer sure, sure, sure. that is in the movie I think that that adds cachet. Sure. Like, I, if Whitney Houston had done a Disney movie, do you know how, how many of, like, me and my friends would have gone to see it every day that ended in Y? It would have just been like, you said it. (laughs) The Prince of Egypt was Whitney and Mariah. And Mariah. But only over the credits. Like, only over the closing credits. I know. I know, but I guess what I'm saying is, like, if she had voiced a mm-hmm. character in, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? I do. She has a like, very big year in '92 with the Bodyguard. Bodyguard. Um, well, that's is, another. Uh, that's another favorite one. of mine. It's a big. I mean, for many reasons that we'll offline about. <laughs> now, uh, now that we're now that we're kind of back on the the music thing, I do kind of want to ask you, Esty, because you yes. write you write like songs that people perform but you also like write scoring uh underscore music and the thing i think is brilliant about alan menken is he write like he writes these songs and then turns them into underscore and like they have Mm -hmm. kind of a different emphasis and i don't know enough about music to know if i'm just like barking up the wrong tree here but like i'm wondering like is there a different burden when you're writing a song for people to perform versus scoring and like how do you mesh those two in a way that like uh, menken does absolutely i mean i the the one of the reasons that I love scoring so well, there's a couple reasons, but the main reason is I don't have to fucking worry about lyrics. <laughs> it's really nice. <laughs> it's really nice. Sure. It and um, well, and just to you know, yeah. I I could go on for days about how much I love Alan Macon and how I think that he's a genius. Um, but I I. You know, he's kind of the North Star, I think, for, you know, most, uh, most of this, the scoring that I do that I, where I have, where there are lyrics, which is few and far between, but like the way that he, the way that he, I mean, and this is just kind of like songwriting 101, but it really is, he tugs at the heartstrings and, and puts darts in those chakras just because it is almost like so earnest. And I think you have to be that way with Disney movies. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also the harmonies, like the harmonies that he uses, like he's a, an amazing arranger mm. and you don't have to be an arranger to be a composer, but he just happens to be both. Yeah. So like the way that he arranges the strings and yeah, I mean, I think that he's a genius, but on, on my side of the street. Yeah. I, I, being as a composer it's nice also to have 
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. To have something to, uh, to be able to like uplift a film with music and have it almost not you as a composer you don't want to be noticed does that make sense Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like that's always been my thing and i think that that's the way it is for a lot of composers like i don't necessarily want people to leave and be like oh i love the score Mm -hmm. i like you know what i mean no 100 percent. i think it's interesting too how i mean having been through the process a couple times when you watch something without score and then watch something with score you literally are like, oh, I didn't know how to feel until I saw it with so, score. The score is yes. there to 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 sort of gird the emotional, you know, uh, journey of yes. The film. But at the same time, you don't want to tell the audience how to feel either. No, hundred percent for sure. You know what I mean? No, for sure. So, I mean, I think that towing that line. Totally. When you're working, and this is, I'm I'm assuming when you're working with directors, they're saying to you this is how this should feel. I don't want you to necessarily tell people how to feel, but like, it needs to feel like this. Is that, I mean, yes. how, how are, is that, is that sort of how you're directed by directors when you're doing your, well, there's, there's that, but there's also, you know, I'll also get guidelines. Like we, we want no piano in this score. Right. 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 No, I don't want to hear a piano any. And like, and then they're like, but we want it to feel really emotional and like, right, really, right. And you're like, okay, so I'm going to do that with a sousaphone. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or I'm going to do that with a, I mean, (laughs) honestly, challenge accepted. (laughs) I'm going to hire you to score something and be like, I only want sousaphone. That's all. That's it. Is it Seussical the musical? (laughs) (laughs) Only using sousaphone? I, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't also bring up the Howard Ashman uh, element of this as well, which is that Howard Ashman had pitched an idea of this sort of animated musical adaptation of Aladdin. It was this 40-page film treatment, and it was this sort of a campy 1930s musical that he had planned. Um, And uh, obviously, uh, as as we know, Howard Ashman passed away in March of 91. He had only composed one, uh, two songs, technically one which was cut, but Prince Ali was really kind of the only... 
uh, Ashman song in this. He uh, did. He did do "Friend Like Me" and um, I he? think "Arabian okay. Nights." Yeah, like okay. you can. I and like I this mean, is I don't know me. If he did the whole yeah. thing or if it's vestiges. This, yeah, you know? this is me cutting right. in to say like I was a huge <laughs> I was a huge Broadway head at the time. Sure, sure. So like. I could tell when it switched to Tim Rice because mm-hmm. like Tim Rice is a, a really good lyricist, but he is a much more blunt lyricist than Howard Ashman. Howard Ashman's uh, lyrics are very clever and fun while also being approachable. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tim Rice is like, you know, a whole new world is Tim Rice and you want kind of that, that approach so when you're doing that, that love song. It's, it's so good. Yes. You want that approach for a love song, but like when he's trying to do it with some of the other songs, when he does the Prince Ali reprise, which, yeah. uh, Tim Rice wrote those lyrics for, you can really tell like the difference in sure. their approach. I'm not saying quality wise. I just think they're very different lyricists in a, in a, in an interesting way. <clears throat> I also feel it needs to be said, and I don't know if you know this, Esty, um, the, uh, proud of your boy. Uh, a song which was deleted from the film because Katzenberg didn't want, there was a whole storyline with Aladdin's mom. So that was cut out of the film, but there's a song called proud of your boy, which is the inspiration for the proud boys. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. It's one of the most insane pieces of trivia that's ever been, but that it's, is their inspiration for the name, the proud boys. <laughs> Gavin McGinnis, the founder of the proud boys, like misunderstood the purpose of the song and was like, it's people aren't allowed to be proud to be a boy anymore. Yeah. It's all about being girls. And like the thing about proud of your boy is Howard Ashman was dying of AIDS and wrote a song about like how, like that was clearly influenced by like all these people who were dying of this terrible disease and wanted their parents to acknowledge them. And it's somehow, it's like the, fucking matrix but it's it's exactly it's a total misreading of a thing Mm -hmm. and twisting it into something you want it to be which is obviously the entire you know fucking maga proud boys movement so it shouldn't be a surprise but i just love that it's a deleted song from aladdin (laughs) it's so amazing yeah, I need to hear the I need to like get the backstory on like how like what deep dive it's incredible was this it's guy incredible. doing on like well, YouTube. It's on it's it's in the musical. Am I not am I correct? In the like so Broadway musical? My it's, understanding is, is he like saw it performed at like a okay. kid's concert at like a school <laughs> and was Come like on. This is a song about how no one can be proud to be a boy anymore. Oh, I love it. It's perfect. It's perfect. It's perfect. It's th- there's all these weird sort of like controversial things that exist in Aladdin that I love. This is one of them. The other is, and I don't know if you guys do you know the whole like. So there's this moment in the film when the lo- when the tiger is attacking Aladdin, yeah. and if you Ra- listen to Raja, Raja, my Raja. apologies. Raja is attacking Aladdin and it's a shot of Jasmine walking towards camera and you can hear Aladdin trying to talk Raja down from attacking him. But if you listen to it, it sounds suspiciously like him saying good teenagers take off their clothes. No, 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 no. No, um, no, no, so much so that they had to redub it at a certain point. So there was a VHS edition of this film that they had to change the audio for. And if you listen to it now, and I was listening for it when I was watching it yesterday, they've modulated the uh, the, the volume on it so you can't really make it out. But 
basically the directors have come out and said like there was some sort of a recording and this that and whatever and the, long story short there was a time when it actually did sound like that and it's I, okay i mean this is opening a whole can of worms because you know there's like a whole like conspiracy theory that like yes. disney animators when they're making their movies just do like are just perverts and do like a bunch of drugs and are like this will be hilarious if I put Correct. this in the movie. No one's gonna, no one's gonna catch this. Correct. And I, I can't. I don't. I don't know. I don't think my brain can go there. When I, when yeah. they fixed that, do you think they had trouble getting Steve from Full House back in to no, do ADR? Sure. Like, you think? No, I'm sure Steve was. <laughs> yeah, Steve was already in his PJs with acne medication on his way, like to the sound <laughs> studio to do ADR. Like, yeah, put exactly. me in, coach. I like. I grew up in a super fundamentalist Christian home. And like, this was one of two movies I saw in theaters in 1992. And like, uh, I, and like, that was the thing we were all like, well, Disney sneaks these secret things in and like, it would, these totally innocuous things. Like there's a thing in Lion King where people were like, well, that spells out sex in the clouds. It does though. And like, no, it doesn't. Yes, it does. Keep, but Emily, keep going. Keep going. There was this to- there was this just total belief that like Disney was trying to indoctrinate children by like like doing subliminal. And it was just it such a weird idea to like believe well, in. <clears throat> the only one that I that has been proven because I had it, mm-hmm. like I can see it, mm-hmm. is because so I got the VHS of the Little Mermaid. You know the one that I'm going to say. I do. I know. I think I know what you're about to say. So I had the VHS of The Little Mermaid and I got it at Costco mm-hmm. when I was three. Mm-hmm. And all of my VHSs are still at my parents' house. Love it. And like, I got to say, like, maybe like 10 years ago, I think someone brought it up that on the original cover of The Little Mermaid, there's like a the sandcastle. <laughs> and one of the towers is like a throbbing hard dick. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> It is, and it is in fact a throbbing hard dick. I can, I can attest, can confirm, throbbing hard like Thunderdome, like staircase, like throbbing vein staircase to an uncircumcised penis. Yeah, it's pretty Um, impressive that they got away with it. But that's what I'm saying. Like, were these people? Like, I just, I just don't understand. I just don't understand. Here's here's what I'll say. And I'm I'm not making excuses for any of this behavior, but I'll say this. Animated movies take a very long time to make. Long time. Agreed. And it's a painful process. And I imagine that you're looking for anything you can find to entertain yourself as you're doing this sort of stuff. But it also feels like you're playing with fire because if someone discovers what you're doing... But my, my favorite of these is like the rescuers had this like actual pornographic image in it that was in oh, a wow. background and you couldn't like see it unless you froze like froze it and like that movie came out in the 70s they didn't ever anticipate that people Wait, would be able to do that no way yeah they had to <laughs> no. remove it they had my to remove childhood, it my childhood is over <laughs> my childhood well, I, is officially you know, so sorry to have ruined this not, that's why we brought you, you guys, on to destroy your childhood honestly uh, i i do want to say one other thing though speaking of your fundamentalist religious uh upbringing emily thank you um the director reportedly said that jafar is based on nancy reagan <laughs> come on this explains on. so much about why i found him interesting. <laughs> yeah exactly which I, was, I think I mean, yeah. is fucking perfect. 
just you guys just say no just say no just say no i just say no i mean it's it's worth i i do just want to sort of briefly there's not a ton of plot really to this film when everything is said and done um but i do kind of want to just jump around to a couple points that i do think are worth talking about the opening scene is shockingly unscripted completely unscripted um the the peddler at the beginning is is robin williams uh who's sort of giving this kind of uh opening pitch, if you will yeah, yeah. pitch of like also sort of makes how... julianne fries <laughs> exactly exactly he's supposedly like also playing like he's playing the genie playing a god yes which is like exactly. such a weird creative choice but and i love it going to they were going to reveal it there was a version of it where at the end, they were going to kind of circle back to the character and he was going to like take off whatever and you were going to realize that it was the genie. But they were also just like, who cares? <laughs> like, we don't, we don't need it. So like, who cares? I'm sure, they were tired by then. They were yeah, they're just like, whatever. This. Let's put the movie out. Can exactly. you imagine if that was the shocking reveal at the end? Look at the twist. The genie was also this guy that you forgot about. You completely yeah. forgot about that it was pointless. Um, I, I remember as a kid... And this was a big deal at the time as well. The Cave of Wonders, that lion. Yes. And yes. that was like the first use of 3D animation. Or one of the first I do uses. remember that. Yes. Because they're, they they do it once in Beauty and the Beast, which is the, the big circular room that they dance in. Um, yeah. That sort of, that has like a 3D With her animation. dress. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like that actually was the first use of it. But then they kind of went even farther with it here. And as a kid, I remember like really being like, holy shit, that looks rad. Like it it just felt so new. It looks so bad now. Like it looks like it looks like it looks like a computer game from that era where you're just like, like, I don't know when you play mist and it would be like, and like, yeah, yeah, like it's just like it's it works. But yes, I feel the same way about Jurassic Park. I can't watch what I feel I I can't the the, the CGI. I can't. I can't. I can't. Really? It is pretty rough in that scene where the dinosaurs I, are like running. You know what I mean? It takes me out of it. Oh, are you it takes you're talking about the, the first the first money shot where you see where you Yes. Yeah, it's not but the but the T-Rex. Come on. T-Rex still looks pretty fucking rad. Come uh, on, no. You got to when's the last time you saw it? I mean, recently. I love Jurassic. Like when? <laughs> I mean, no, no, no. Listen, no shade. I love Jurassic Park, but yeah. I'm saying, like, in like looking back mm-hmm. with what we have now, sure, it's hard not for it, like the shine to be rubbed off. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Sure. But yeah. but in in retrospect, I mean now, but but looking at Aladdin, though, I think that 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 three D animation still holds up. I think the I think the 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 cave Emily like the actual 3D animation yes. of the of the cave itself mm-hmm. like the lion cave whatever that holds up that cool. holds yeah. up it's the flying stuff the flying looks, around yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 for sure who wakes my eternal slumber <laughs> your one woman show is I'm telling you it's coming out. together it's coming it's together coming together it really seats. is I I see it's also how... I think. Uh, to your point, um, Esty, about Jurassic Park versus what have you, like when you're doing something that is um, biologically like an animal of some sort, we know what it looks like. So we're I think we're a lot 
harder on those type of effects than like T2, which I watched recently. And you're just like, that just still looks rad because he's just like a metal liquid man. And you're like, that's yeah. You're just like, that looks awesome. So I think that when it's something in the natural world that you're trying to recreate, I think that that's a lot harder to do. Agreed. I agree. uh, Yeah. I I think that the one question I had for you guys uh, watching it this time that did bump me a little bit in terms of the, the mechanics of plot. Okay. Why does the Sultan's ring have powers over some machine that tells them that Aladdin is the diamond in the rough. It's a little sweaty and I'm not really sure why that is a thing. Yeah, it's kind of a reach. <laughs> they just yada yada it kind of. And they're just like, hey, I, this ring doesn't like what? Okay, sure. I think I think at at, at some <laughs> point they were probably like, this movie is just gonna make so much money, it doesn't even matter. I imagine that like, they were just like diamond 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 rough yeah great sure but it it definitely this time i was watching i was like wait a second iago is running on a treadmill to power a machine that the ring tells them and you're just like what it's literally it makes no sense but i've seen this movie a billion times i've never once thought about that i've never once been like i've always been like of course the parrot has to run on a treadmill to power a machine (laughs) Yeah, same, same, so, honestly. I mean, whatever. But I do, and uh, tell me if you think this could be mm. a reach also, though. Yeah. Do you think that maybe because the plot is a little sure. hairy yeah. in, in Aladdin, do you think that then, because right after this is when Pixar was created, right? 95 is when Toy Story. But yeah, I mean, they, they, they right. start like, Pixar around it, though. Yeah. They, like, it, again, animation takes forever, yeah. right? So, like, Correct. Pixar, I think, was... For sure. Totally do happening. You think, do you think the animators and storytellers saw Aladdin and was like, oh, we need to fix this? We're going to make movies that, like, literally, like, oh. the plot, like... The plot is everything, and they're all going to be connected, and we're just going to make movies... Well, now that, where the plot is everything. <laughs> well, I think that Disney, and I would say this is still kind of the case, is that they were so fused to these fairy tales and to these yes. sort of old stories, public domain, whatever you want to call it, um, and sort of a a reimagining a reimagining of those things. They weren't as hemmed to logistics and a, a logical plot right because fairy tales exist in some other kind of realm of of logic whereas pixar it seems anyway prides itself on like a groundedness and an emotional component that i don't think right. disney does as much and that's why I, I maybe i'm i'm grasping at straws here but i can imagine the smarty pants that <laughs> that founded pixar were probably yeah. like what am i watching like what like yes of course i I want iago to run on like on a hamster wheel treadmill and power and power this Uh mechanism but also like i'm gonna make movies like wally and because also and correct me if i'm wrong i could be getting the history wrong but wasn't isn't there like this an infamous story that all of the animators and, and and writers and storytellers that founded pixar sat at one dinner And created the ideas for every single Pixar movie over the course of the next 20 years. It was like the first like five or seven or something like that. But yeah. 
I, something I, along those lines. I gotta say, I'm I'm somewhat skeptical of your theory, but the thought of Steve Jobs, one of the people who was an early investor in Pixar, seeing Aladdin <laughs> and being like, I don't understand how this machine works, and Explain then like calling up the Pixar people and being like, Listen, we can't. Do we need anything. to do better. Yeah. We need to, no. I just feel like they were just like, we need to do better. I don't know. I I, I just I I can imagine just knowing like my my animator friends uh-huh. Uh-huh. and like how not i don't want to say pretentious but sure. for animators pretentious sure i can imagine the people at pixar because they were kind of on the precipice of technology at the time mm-hmm. being like oh we're going to blow this shit out of the water you think this is a good story get ready for toy story <laughs> i do think like, that it is pretty sweaty Disney's not that sweaty is the thing. That's why it jumped out at me this time watching it. Because, like, generally speaking, their stuff is pretty clean and it doesn't, you know, require much leaps in terms of, like, they just don't do stuff like this. Am I wrong, Emily? Do you No. Think that's like- and I think that, well, I, I also think that maybe it was just that there was a really good premise. Yeah, the Like, the premise is great. Yeah. yeah, we just yeah. got to get there. Like, figure yeah. it out. Like, the stuff in the middle doesn't matter. Yeah, we I, got some killer songs. Killer I do think like, like the there's a Disney formula that is so attached to the princess figure. Mm-hmm. Yes. And like the thing about this movie that made it there, it was their first like really enormous hit. And the thing about it is they took the princess formula and were like, what if a boy had that formula? Because like a lot of people complain about Princess Jasmine being, you know, uh, having no agency, which is true, but she's effectively the Prince Charming figure and Prince Charming never has any agency. Yep, yep. And so like, this is like, this is very much fitting their formula, which, and then they also kind of tried to do Raiders of the Lost Ark on top of that, which I think is yes. a genius move, but they, Agreed. I mean, the Indiana Jones movies are all super fucking sweaty. Yeah. So like that, that's, you know, it's, yeah. Agreed. What I think also, I mean, I know that there was a big moment between uh, Beauty and the Beast and this where they were like boys we need to get boys we feel as though there's too many princesses we're you know we're too too quote-unquote feminine whatever the case might be um, and and this movie was enormously successful exactly for that reason I imagine which is that it kind of and I mean and Lion King is also a boy story as well I mean it, it's just you know a, a boy lion but like uh, I also had a crush on Simba we can also unpack that later <laughs> we can unpack that at a later date but I mean it Nala's does... hot I'm just gonna Nala's be clear. Hot. yeah, yeah. And Scar's Nala's hot. hot Scar thank you you guys yeah. I'm unpacked yeah. like my therapist <laughs> is going to Dr. McCurdy, get ready. Dr. McCurdy, get ready. Uh, I think it's interesting. It takes about a half hour for the genie to show up. The movie's only 90 minutes. So, like, we're really talking about an entire act without essentially our second lead. Um, But... You know, the whole new world sequence is beautiful. It's iconic. Um, you know, it's it's obviously fantastic. Um, Jasmine in Chains has a very Princess Leia vibe, which I'm not sure how yeah. to feel about. Um, and there is a very sort of like Jafar kissing her and wanting to make her his like slave, quote unquote. There's just stuff going on in the third act of this film that gets really kind of crazy <laughs> and a little bit icky um, that I'm just not really sure how to sort of unpack, but that's whatever. Um but I, I, you know, ultimately, I think that this movie moves like a freight train. Part of it is because of the genie, which is just the jokes are fast and furious coming at you and the manic energy that he brings to it. And you said this when we were texting, Emily, but like it shouldn't work for a myriad of reasons. The first one being it's just Robin Williams so off the chain that you're just like, I don't even really know how to process what's going on half the time. Um 
but it works because I mean, ultimately think it's just the perfect amount of him. I think that him not showing up for a half an hour allows you to settle into the film a little bit so that he, I agree. you know what I mean? Like, otherwise I think if it was 90 I, minutes straight of this, oh. I think like I my, my objective film critic brain is like, this movie has problems. Like this movie has, you know, it has, it has representation <laughs> problems. It has all these yes, different things, yes. but I think the third act is kind of perfect. I think the thing where like Aladdin betrays the genie and then doesn't betray the genie and there's this big confrontation and he, he wins by tricking Jafar. Like, I think all of that is so good that you kind of overlook everything. And then you've got this great Robin Williams performance on top of it. Like it's a movie that shouldn't work, but does work. And then, you know, they made the pirates of the Caribbean movies sort of like based on this (laughs) template and look what happened to us. (laughs) Like he frees the genie at the end. Right. So he technically becomes person but he's not a person because he can still fly he and still he's has still magic blue. powers and he still yeah, has magic exactly. powers you have just freed a creature that can do anything anything i love it that's it the was, dream yeah. are you kidding me that is the dream oh i'm a so, genie in a bottle baby gonna run me the right way honey great song great song great song great, great 99 song um yeah. i uh so i i we do a rating system on this as we as we wrap this up, Esty. Uh, zero to ninety nine in in honor of our ninety nine podcast. Um, I so really it, thought we were going to go zero to ninety two and be like high B plus is like the yeah, best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The movie. best no, no, no. we can do in ninety two. Stick, stick best to ninety two. As as a child uh, in ninety two or around ninety two when you saw this film, I assume this film was yes. a ninety nine for you, Esty. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong. Yes, this um, was like very very hot. Do you very, feel very like it's is it still at a ninety nine for you, or where where are you at on this now? Out of curiosity, I feel like, I mean, yes, it does have problems. Sure, it is slightly problematic. <laughs> it's not as problematic um, as I would argue the remake with Will Smith is. But that's... agreed, 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 agreed. <laughs> but yeah, and again, we can't look at a film that came out in '92 yeah. with a 2023 lens. Not fair. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not fair. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, I would wager. I would wager. Mm. I was born in '86. Mm-hmm. I think that's the number that I'm going to go with. That sounds good. I mean, it's interesting you say that because when I saw it in '92, you know, I liked it. Um, I don't know that it completely blew me away at the time. Um, I probably would have given it like an 85 in 92. I'm actually okay. higher now than I was then. Again, I was 12. I probably thought I was cool. I wasn't, but I probably thought that I was like, you know, just old, Phil, you're cool now. Oh, that's Stop. Nice to say, yes. Don't do that. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think that now in hindsight, I actually think it's, it's better now than when I was a kid. Like, I think I watch this film now, problematic 92 stuff aside. I do think that it's, I do think it's a masterpiece. Like, I do think that these four movies of like Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin and, and Lion King are pretty much unimpeachable. Like, they're You keep movies. doing Rescuers Down Under Erasure and I will not stand for it. <laughs> I, that came out in oh, 1990. Like, come on, um, Phil. But the, I, I, I would say that was probably, right before like, the new guard. That was like right before the new guard, Emily. Like, like yeah. if we're looking at like eras of Disney, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would wager to say that just Rescuers, just it, it was it was it's a different caliber of film. It just is. It's a different, I mean, that whole black cauldron and like all that stuff, just different Disney movies. I don't feel like they're the same thing. 
but anyway all that being said i think i'm probably at like a 95 now truly like i think it's wow. i think it's a, i think it's a great movie um and i i really do love it but emily where are you at on this movie my baby just stopped crying like great timing thank you Phil. um the uh the uh i i uh you know at the time um i was a huge robin williams fan i also i recorded mork and mindy every night so i could like watch it the next day on me. vhs Nanu, yes. Nanu. Nanu, yes. Nanu, Nanu. um Nanu, or uh, more calling orson more calling orson and so i just was like i thought robin williams was the shit like my my, my two chief creative influences were like like young blonde girls around my age who were on television so like uh-huh. jody sweeten and celebrity yeah. impressionists i was like this is who i'm gonna be i'm oh. gonna be a celebrity impressionist just like robin williams or dave coulier they were my heroes so at the time i was like this is the best movie ever made i i definitely would have given it a 99 in 1992 now i'm like i think this is a really well done movie i'd, I'd go like 88 i think it has problems but i think I think it's just like a really strong, entertaining movie with like a like a pretty impeccable third act. Great so, impeccable um, impeccable third act, amazing songs. I will say the music is incredible. They're amazing. They're amazing. Yeah. 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 They're amazing. Songs, songs are amazing. Yes. Um before we let you go, Esty, um next yes. week we are doing a few good men with Liz okay. Hannah and her uh and her husband Brian. Do you have thoughts on a few good men? Well, while we have you, are you a fan I of a few good men? Or I don't do know you... if I can pontificate on a few I, good men. I don't need you to pontificate. I was just curious if you're. Are you? Are you a, a Tom Cruise, Aaron Sorkin, Demi Moore fan? I mean, who isn't? I mean, actually, you <laughs> know, Rob I Reiner, actually don't answer that. that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, mean. I love Rob Reiner. Yes, he's amazing. Rob Reiner, yeah, Rob Reiner. This honestly, is him in the pocket. You're not wrong. This is him when he's killing it. Yeah. I well, I, would, I just mean there's like definitely, this run he has. Okay, there's other Rob. I mean, we can also offer oh, about this. Oh, when Harry is a perfect movie. I mean, come on. Now. Like, there's the, yeah. the Rob Reiner of it all. There's other Rob yeah. Reiner movies that I would wager to say are yeah more that, my sure. speed. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, I just um, I think it's interesting to sort of this is him. <laughs> I'm kind of surprised, and we'll talk about this obviously, Emily, on the episode. But like, a few good men maybe should have won best picture <laughs> like i i'm kind of who surprised won best that, like, picture? who won best picture that year i'm, I'm forgiven one in 92 but i i just think i'm a little surprised of the nominees that's all i'm saying Emily. just in terms of like it yeah. is interesting it was a big hit um rob reiner this was probably his moment if he was gonna i don't even think he was nominated for best director for this film. he maybe was I'm not wrong. he was not so like rob reiner it's just interesting yeah I, I mean, I, I think I think Unforgiven all the way, but we can dig into that. We'll dig into that. <laughs> yeah, but I will say I'm a big Demi Moore fan. That is for sure. Yeah, she's Tom great. Cruise, take him or leave him. Interesting. That's how do you feel thing. about Top Gun Maverick? Did you did you see it? ST? I love. I mean, I loved it for the the, the you know the the pop and circumstance. Mm-hmm. I sure. I also um. Oh my God! What is his name? We're gonna have to edit this. Are, what is his no, name? No, no, no. Are you talking about uh, Miles Teller? Are you talking? No, about... no. He's an insecure. Oh my God! And I'm friends with him. What is wrong with me? Ellis? Is that who we're talking about? Yes, yes. Okay, what yeah. is his first? Jay Ellis. Jesus Jay Ellis. fucking there Christ! Is. There it is. I love Jay Ellis. I love Jay Ellis. So he's very good. Yes, yes. He's very good in it. I I've seen Top Gun Maverick twice. Just just because wow. I I just think that it's yes. I I would. 
I don't think that I loved it more than the original, but I did love the movie as, as like a standalone, not even like not thinking about it as like a, mm-hmm. you know, I think that Tom Cruise, uh, listen, I'm going to go. I, I am a big Tom Cruise fan and just in terms of like movie star, Tom Cruise kind of, you know, he, he he's, he's pretty amazing. I have my issues with him believing in yes. aliens and all yes. sorts of other things, but yes, I do like the thing where he's trying to die on camera for our entertainment. <laughs> I think that is yeah. great. It's a good bit. Yeah. It's a good bit. I but, know. Um, but Essie, we can't thank you enough for taking the time to talk a lot. Oh, anytime. I mean, anytime. Just, looking, we, we, I'm looking forward to Newsies whenever you say, want me back on the show. Cannot wait to talk about Newsies, a movie that um, I have not seen since I was 12. Um, a movie that has quite a cult love. Like people Ugh. fucking ride for newsies hard those um, are the people that i want to meet i want to <laughs> emily, emily just emily just tell me were you a newsies fan since you were a broadway bitch i i saw it uh many years later and i like i liked it but like yeah i i i definitely I, I was not i didn't see it at the age where i was gonna just like watch it over and over but oh, it's like really? a really good movie yeah yeah it's, you didn't I, see it when it came out in the theaters <sighs> I didn't. I didn't. I've only, I lived, I lived right, an right, right, hour right. away from the closest theater. I only saw two movies in theaters that year. What were so. the two movies, Emily? It was this uh, one. Aladdin, and the other one is the mystery we're going to solve on this podcast, Phil. It's oh, it's, it's a mystery, mystery box show. Sure? Yeah. I know what I know what it is, okay, but you're going to figure it out. Oh, That's, oh, oh, I, newsies, to to that I'm very excited to talk Newsies. It's it's uh, what's his face uh, Ortega, right? Who directed it? Am I? Yes. Crazy? I so, okay. Yeah. 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 So High School Musical fame. Of High School Musical fame. Uh, we're going to talk Newsies. We're going to talk dance with you. This is another thing we didn't talk about because this is an animated movie. But Esty, you know, dance is a big part of your life as well. Huge. So, huge. So that I want to talk. Mean, we'll, we'll unpack that. On we're going to unpack I'm Newsies fine. at a later date. Yeah. But I'm, I'm excited to talk about thank dancing you. and all that kind of stuff. Yes. Well, thank you guys so much for having oh me. Anytime, thank you. Anytime so, you so want me on the show. So nice to meet you, Emily. I, awesome. I love it. Absolutely. You're Listen, I, I, this is a very embarrassing thing to admit, but every night when my baby won't sleep, I do sing her hallelujah. I think she likes it. I Stop think it. that's a thing she enjoys, but we'll. Stop. Okay. Well, when we're offline, I'll send you a video of us singing it. And then you can just oh play, that you can play that so for your baby. So you don't. Beard. Great. So that you don't oh have God. to sing it anymore. And you can just that's press incredible. play. That's see you the best. Thank you Thank so, you. so much. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye you guys. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.